So guys, you guys hear me say this word constantly. You hear me always preach it. I'm always revisiting it. It's the word, the gospel. Does everyone know what gospel means? It means good news. That's what the gospel means. It's this good news, and there's so many facets of the gospel like a diamond that you can't even, in our lifetime, if we dedicated every day to it, just studying and talking about it, you couldn't exhaust it. Eternity can't exhaust what actually happened by God's own Son coming to the world to save the world by giving His life, by living a sinless life, by rising again. We couldn't even, it's, it, it's unending. It's really, it's unending what God did for us. So we hit some key things, right? He, he forgave our sins. He reconciled us. We talk about all these things that the gospel does for us that makes it good news. We're going to focus on a couple of things today. One is the atonement. You know, we talk about God being the Lamb of God. And some of us hear these words, but sometimes maybe they don't sink in what really happened on that day. So I want you to really focus on why are we singing the song about this baby that was born? What does that mean? Why is it something to be celebrated? And we're going to unpack that today. But one of the great things about my job as a pastor is I get to give good news out all the time. Like I, I get to get up here and give you good news every week. What do I say? It's all about grace. You're forgiven. You're loved. What a great job that I get to be a bearer of good news. You know, I once heard like customer service is sometimes the worst job to be in because you always got to give bad news, right? How about the guy at the repair shop when you're bringing something in broken and you have that look on your face, just tell me everything's all right and don't cost anything, right? So I got a Mac. I, I was like computer illiterate about five years ago and then they said, dude, if you're going to pass it, you've got to get something, you know? So... The last church I was at, they bought me a computer because I came in with this ancient laptop that someone had given me, and the whole pastoral team laughed at me and said, throw that thing in the garbage. We need to buy you a laptop. So I finally said, I'm going to go to a Mac because, I don't know, people look like they know what they're doing when they're on a Mac. You can do nothing, just flip a Mac and just look around people like he's on something important right now. And so I bought a Mac, a MacBook Pro, and I had it for about a year and four months. Screen goes gray. Anyone have that happen to them? That's bad news when your screen goes gray. Say, so, you know what? I'm starting to figure stuff up. Let me let me Google a few things on the other broke down computer. And I try to fix it. I can't fi- fix it. So I bring it to this repair shop. And I don't know if you've ever been in the Mac store. What is going on in there? It is craziness in there. People are bugging in there like... The world runs off mad. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew I needed to get out of there as soon as possible. So I bring it up and I said, I'm, I'm waiting for good news. Just tell me you're that guy that can just hit the alt, the nine, the P, and it's just come up and you say, thank God for it. it makes people like you. He tells me my hard drive is gone. I said, all this talk about the Mac. I have a Mac for a year and four months and the hard drives go. That's bad news. You know, I'm sure the guy didn't come out there and say, man, I'm looking forward to telling this brother his hard drive went. And so I go out with all the stupid questions that you already know the answer to. Does that mean all my files are gone? Yes. Does that mean all my contacts are gone? Yes. So it was horrible news. And know what makes the news worse? The invoice. Not only did it break in 14, 16 months, 
Now I got to pay for the thing breaking. The reason I'm telling you this, this is horrible news for me in the budget that month. The thing about the gospel is, why that is horrible news is that we have to pay for it. It's supposed to not be broken. All those kind of things that go into that. The gospel is great news because of this. We know things are broken. Okay? You wake up every morning, we realize our attitudes are broken. Our nature is broken. Our outlook is broken. The way we treat each other is broken. We're sinful. Right? We also realize something that's very important. No matter how hard we work, we could not be sinless. And that's something you run into a Christian. I, I heard of another guy at the church. He really keeps a book because he thinks he's going to get to a place where he doesn't sin. And the book is that commitment. I'm like, what a wasted book, brother. That's a waste. Of, you're wasting your time, brother. Go pick up a hobby. You are not going to get to the point where you are sinless. But this dude really thinks that he's missing the point. The bad news, it, it would be bad news if I said to you today, you will find favor with God if you never sin any again. God will love you if you're a good person. God will love you if you say the right things and love people perfectly. Then God will love you. You should hear that as horrible news. Oh, you've got some self-righteousness issues. If you said, okay, man, I'm pretty good, man. You, you, you are not understanding the gospel. Because the gospel is that we couldn't do, and that's why Jesus came. And it doesn't mean we should live in and continue to sin and have a license to sin. But it means when you're loved and accepted by God through the gospel, through this work, you will do more good things and you will love your neighbor more deeply than you ever tried to do on your own strength. The gospel is we owed a debt like we just sang. We all owe a debt. Because God would not be just if our sin went unpunished. You guys hear me? Everyone ties the priest's fluffy God. God, my God is love. Yeah, my God's love too, but he punishes sin or he wouldn't be holy and just. You want streets with no law enforcement? Law enforcement is very loving, and I'm thankful that they guard the streets. Doesn't mean we're not loving because of people who protect us. The same way God is holy and God is just, and he has to punish sin from murder to a lie. Do you guys hear me? Because we like to categorize sins. And we want to sit in a group with the white liars, right? I'm a white liar, kind of righteous, but not as dirty as that guy. We're all filthy sinners. And as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, know what we realized? That if we haven't done it physically, we've done it in our heart and our mind. So I'm saying all this, not to make you feel bad, because we're getting to a good place right here. We all owe a debt. And guess who paid that debt? This child who was born who laid down his life. It's paid, not for a week, not for today, but for all eternity for those who believe in him. That's the doctrine of atonement, and that's why this is such good news that the Lamb of God has come. So let's dive into the text, and I want us all to meditate on this today. Luke 2, we're going to read verses 8, I believe it's through 21. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field. Keep watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, <coughs> Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, <coughs> they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So do you guys ever ask yourself this question? Why did God choose to reveal that a Savior was born to these shepherds? Why does he even bother going to these shepherds? And something that always blows my mind, if you read the Bible, is... The team God chooses. Does it make any sense to these people who are getting chosen to glorify God? You know, like we keep talking about these people like David was an adulterer and a murderer. I'm trying to wait for someone everyone talks about because his movies come out about Moses, this and that. You know, but still this day I haven't, and I don't think I didn't see the movie yet. I haven't seen Moses' part acted right because Moses had a speech impediment and was a stutterer. We don't want that kind of Moses, right? We want Charlton Heston just protecting gun rights, right? Just telling people, like, we need our Moses to look broad-shouldered. We need him to speak perfectly. Do you know that he couldn't even say, let the people go? He was afraid, and his brother had to do it. But, you know, we see cinema, and sometimes, you know, that's where we get our theology from. Moses didn't say, let your people go. He was a stutterer and couldn't say it, so his brother Aaron had to speak in his place because God chooses the weak things to confound the strong. Like, I heard a pastor say this. His name was Eric Mason. Like, for those of you who play pickup basketball, you usually wait for winners, and you say, I got winners on the next game, and then you get to pick your team. If God was picking the team... He'd pick the team, that dude that can't use his left hand, it's all right, you know? He just, everywhere he goes, he has to use his right hand. Or that guy who somehow one time did the move around his back, and every play has turned to him doing a move around his back. Or that guy that doesn't play defense. Or that guy who just doesn't know what he's doing. He picks the worst team on the court to play. Look around. Starting with me. He picks... The weak things, the broken things, the inadequate things to display his glory. That's why we chose Bethlehem wasn't really on the map. It wasn't even big enough to be counted among the clans. Mary would have never thought that she would be the mother of God. How about when he called the disciples? Would you go, to the, would you go down to the docks at Gloucester and pick out the disciples for the Son of God? Those fishermen, that's where you'd start? Let's go to Gloucester. We need some disciples to change the world. Let's go down there. You seen those brothers? But God chooses the weak things. I need to hear, I need you guys to hear this today to confound the wise thing. He uses broken vessels to display his glory. And this is why he is choosing 
these shepherds. You know, shepherd, being a shepherd wasn't the trade everyone aspired for back in the day. These shepherds are working the night shift. No one wants the night shift, right? Even though you make a little more money, you know the night shift's tough. These dudes are on the night shift. The way God does it, he doesn't make a... He goes to some shepherds who no one would have thought they would be the guys going to at night. Shepherds were considered... I'll just tell you this as far as the government. Shepherds weren't even allowed to witness in court in those days. Shepherds were looked down upon. Shepherds, parents taught their children, don't buy anything from a shepherd because they got it from somewhere else. It fell off a truck, if you would. Shepherds, it was considered a job because it was subcontracted out. So even if a guy owned the flocks, he would have to hire other guys because they had so many sheep. So he'd subcontract a guy. And a lot of times these guys were ex-criminals. And it would come shepherds at night walking, watching over the flock. The reason I tell you this is because I want you to contextualize it today. This would be like God choosing to go to a truck stop on 95 and revealing himself to a bunch of truck drivers. Hey, truck drivers. And the reason I say truck drivers is because I want to be a truck driver ever since over the top with Sylvester Stallone. Come on, let's be honest. I think it's a, I love truck driving. If I could drive, but I'm the slowest driver, and I can't even do a three-point turn with a little Camry, never mind back in a Mack truck in somewhere. But I remember I was at a church, and the treasurer said to me something one day. He thought he was all that because he was auditing and accounting. God bless you if you're auditing and I'm not talking about you. But this brother thought he was all that. He thought he was past the point of redemption. And he was like, I had trouble with my car. I called the tow people. They didn't come when I wanted them to. They're kind of dumb. That's why they're working on Saturday and driving a truck. And I thought, oh, I don't like you so much right now. Like, I thought, like, how did you get to a place of leadership in God's church? Like, how do you, how do I get in there and fire you? Like, it bothered me so much because he was looking at truck driving as if it wasn't a good job. Right? And hear me saying, I think truck job, I think any job's a good job. I really do. If you're doing anything to glory of God, if Jesus could be a carpenter, I think any job's a good job. I'm just glad when brothers and sisters are working in today's day and age. Really. I think people have this messed up view. If God didn't think it was too much to have his son doing carpentry, I think we're looking down on too many jobs. I, I really do, you know? But let's move on from there. We're talking about Jesus. The reason I say that is because some society looked down on truck drivers and some of society the same way they looked down on shepherds. But God chose these people, these men, these shepherds, whatever their past was, he chose them to be the men that he revealed that glory to that day. And it was glory. It was so much glory, they got afraid. They got afraid that they were in the presence of God. You see, when God shows up the scene, when the heavenly hosts show up, the weight and the glory of God got so, it wasn't like off in a distance. It was described like it was all around them, right on the glory of God, heavenly hosts. The Savior is coming, blowing their mind, and they were afraid until they heard the message. This is what we're here to tell you. This is what I want to hear you. What they say? We're here to give you good news. We're here to give you good news of joy. And when you hear this news, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to change your life. What did they say to them that day? What was such good news? I want to read it to you because I want this to really soak. I want it to marinate. He said, for unto you, 
I got to find that in my notes. Please show me grace, grace. Was that me? The minions. Oh, it's 11. It's verse 2.11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. That's the good news. Now hear this. Do you guys know what they're saying when the Christ is born? Now these shepherds are part of the covenant people and oppressed people. They have been waiting for a Messiah to come since Genesis 3 when man fall, fell. In Genesis 3.15, you'll see it says, Someone will come to crush the head of Satan and bring salvation. The people of God were waiting through oppression, through slavery, through hopelessness, through times of prosperity, through times of destruction, through times of being taken over by empires. They were waiting for this Messiah who would come and free them, the Christ. They were waiting for this. The angels just told them that Christ was not only coming, they knew he was coming, but he was here. Now, what are some of the sweetest words you ever heard in your life? What are some of the sweetest words you ever heard in your life? You just heard those words and they just brought peace to your soul. You just wanted to tell someone else about it. Maybe it was your loved one was going through treatment for an illness and you heard they were okay, they're healthy, right? Maybe you ever had just lose your kid moment? Where's my kid at? Where's my kid at? And about 30 seconds go by, you can't find your kid, and they say, we got your kid. Read that in right there. I almost had a heart attack one picking up my kid at a nursery at another church. We hold on to him close here. It was not here. Kira had run out of the nursery into the sanctuary, but I didn't know it. So I showed up with my tag. I said, man, here we go. Can I pick up my kid? There was no one in the nursery, and she was sitting there. And she said, oh, let me look for her. I said, look for her. This is an empty room. She walked over to the utility closet. That's what you do when you're nervous, right? She was like, hold on, let me look. Walked over the utility closet, opened and said, she's not in here. I said, I could have told you that. Where is my... And you know when you get in those moments, like you know the answer, you say, where's my kid? Where's my kid? Where is my kid? Where's my kid? I went into an anxiety like I haven't felt in a while. I just started, you know, when you just start like... I felt like I was just running in place. And I went around the corner... And I went over there. Oh, no. One of my friends, a pastor, that kid ran out and said, Kira's in the sanctuary. Those were the sweetest words I could ever hear after all that anxiety, after all that fear. Like, that's the kind of, like, I almost cried in the middle of the sanctuary. That almost happened. Like, there was so much going on. When I heard those words, my whole, like, I went from being at 150 miles per hour to settle down. Those kind of words that settle your soul. They just heard Christ was there. That means everything's going to be all right. Right? Now, they understood the weight of this a little bit more because they were shepherds. And shepherds, I'm sure, was, for all the animal lovers in the house, you'll understand this. They cared for these sheep. And most likely, they were shepherds. They were right near Bethlehem. It's very possible, and many theologians believe, that they were, these were lambs that were raised for temple sacrifice. And I talked to you guys a little about that last week. These were lambs that were cared for, that were protected. No one wanted to be a shepherd because of the dangers, too. Like wild animals would come and try to pick them, pick off sheep, and you were the one who had to protect them. People would try to rob them, you know, all those kind of things. 
they would have to care for these sheep, keep them without blemish so they could be sacrificed at the temple. I imagine, this is just my guess, that they got attached to a few of these sheep. I've seen people get attached to animals. I mean, people have pigs for pets. You can get attached to a lamb. They also felt the weight of people's sin. When you keep raising animals that have to be sacrificed for people's sins, you feel the weight of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you have sheep, and then you realize those lambs are being taken away for your sins and for other people's sins constantly at the temple, the weight of sin weighs on you. It's not a casual thing. You realize there's a price being paid. Now, anyone watch The Last Frontier? I can get on a run with that show. The Last Frontier, they're in Alaska. There's a whole family. They do everything by themselves. So they had raised, they, one family has these cows. And it got to a point where they didn't have enough meat for the winter. So they, you saw that episode? So they had to take out one of these cows. They said, we're hungry. We got to take out one of these cows. The wife is just, she hasn't eaten a piece of meat in like 10 years because she just can't deal with it anymore. She's a vegetarian. But the guy, he's like, our family has to eat. We didn't make enough in hunting. We're going to have to kill this cow. But they love this cow, right? They love this cow. It's like, you know, to them, it's like putting down their dog. Really, honestly, I try to, you know, most, most of us aren't, you know, working cattle in our backyard, so I'm trying to give you some. To them, it's like putting down, you know, their pet. And they said this, it's like putting down one of my pets, but we have to because we're hungry. Something in us says that's okay because if you don't eat, you don't live, right? Something in us says we understand it's horrible. We, we're glad you're crying about it and you're not just one of those callous people just taking out cows like we need a steak. We understand that because we understand our need to eat. We understand that if you don't eat, you don't live. Why we have trouble understanding that animals had to be sacrificed for the atonement of the sins of the world is we don't understand our need for a savior and we don't understand the seriousness of sin. Do you guys hear what I'm saying right now? We have got away from understanding the seriousness of sin, understanding the seriousness of all kinds of sin, sin and understand that God is not someone that can just overlook sin. That the wages of sin are death and all sin has to be punished because God is perfectly holy and if he does not punish sin, he is not God and he is not just. How many people want a God who is not just? How can we ever know good and evil? Sin has to be punished. Now, these lambs, God made a way for the, the lambs to become the sacrifice for the people. Everyone hear the big word, propitiation, the object of God's wrath. Those animals were substituting for the people. A life was given for sin, and that's why they did animal sacrifices continually, annually, for people's sins. Are you with me that far on the gospel? This is why we rejoice in the fact that God was the, he was the Lamb of God, the final sacrifice. Now, the reason I always talk about sin is not because I want you to feel bad about sin. Really, I don't do that, guys. Uh, that's not my goal. But you can't understand the gospel. You can't understand the good news this is. You can't understand the grace of God without sin and death. You also see this in the fact that God, we are worth something to God. We are worth something to God. 
you have value to God that he was willing to take your place and become the sacrificial lamb. That someone had to be punished for all our heinous, disgusting, horrible sins. Of all the people who had to be punished, God chose to take it on himself. Is that unbelievable theologically? Do you guys feel the weight of that, why that's good news? Because you know who's taking that punishment? If Jesus wasn't taking that punishment, you know who deserves that punishment? Us. You need to feel that for yourself. I'm talking about me. Those shepherds weren't only feeling, oh, man, everyone's sinning, and they got to go see sacrifice. They say, man, these lambs are being sacrificed because of me, because I sinned today, because I sinned yesterday, because I'm not loving my neighbor, because I'm murdering in my heart other people. But God's own son, who has eternally existed, who is the second person of the Trinity, comes down to earth and lays down his life in our place. Suffers, is ridiculed, is mocked, is beaten, is bruised. That is unbelievable news. You know when news is so good that you're more excited about proclaiming the news than the person hearing the news? Right? You know, like your kids on Christmas Day. They're telling you it's Christmas time and the gifts, but they're more excited than you. It's Christmas. This gifts. I wasn't premeditated. When the gospel becomes such good news that you are just as excited, if not more excited than the other people, then you finally get the gospel. Then you finally get how good this news is. I deserve this, but I get that. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was lonely and had no one, but now I have the God of the universe who personally knows me through the work of his son. I had no, I couldn't do it within, but now I have the Holy Spirit who lives within me, who is making me more like his son Jesus every day. That becomes absolutely astounding, fantastic, majestic news. And you get so like, when you hear good news, it just is, the gospel is the most contagious thing on earth. It's just so contagious. You know, I had a, I heard a good news about my friend Butch this week. I got a text of good news. You know what I do with good news? I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm like, I got to tell someone else. That's, that's spread like wildfire. I got to tell Nan- Natalie. Does Nancy know? Do my kids know? Does everyone know the good news? That's what good news does. It's contagious. You have to tell someone. It blows your mind. This is what happens in the text. The angels are so excited about the news, they just break out in the song. A Savior's coming. Like it just, I can't even imagine. I heard these Nazareth girls singing here this week. And man, it is beautiful when a bunch of people sing together. That's what I realized. Like they were hitting notes like, what? Like it was just hitting. I was like, what's going on in this place? And they were singing Christmas carols. You felt it. Imagine heavenly hosts of angels. They're so excited about the news that he has been born. The child has come to save the world. They just break out into cosmic praise on the spot. That's what happens to good news. That's why you guys see me get excited up here sometimes. Because I realize what I'm preaching is truth and that God saved me as much as he saved you, so i got to move around. No, but really, that's the, the news is so good and it's contagious. What happens? They get excited. They're so excited. They break out in the song, all the heavenly hosts. They tell the shepherds. The shepherds get excited. Where's Bethlehem at? They start praising and rejoicing and glorifying God. They tell Mary. Mary treasures in her heart. It's just contagious. It just keeps spreading. The good news does that. The gospel does that. It blows your mind. Am I speaking truth? Man. Now, sometimes this news can seem so good that we don't think it's true. Right? 
there's times in my life that I say, man, this is really, like, he paid the price. I'm forgiven. I'm loved by God. I'm given a purpose to God. Like, it seems too good to be true. Like, so Dave and Sarah decided not to tell their kids they were going to Disney World until the day of Disney World. Right? They said, we're not telling them until the morning. Got everything ready. They got up that morning. And they look at Jacqueline and Kylie. And they say, Jacqueline, we're going to Disney World. Now, you think Jacqueline's response would be like, woo, going to Disney World. She looked at him and said, I don't know. No, Jacqueline, we're really going to Disney World. I don't know. I don't know. Isn't that what we do with the gospel sometimes? Like the preacher's up here, Jesus is saying it, God is saying it, the Word is saying it, and it's so good that we go, I don't know, man. She didn't believe the gospel until she got on the, uh, the gospel. <laughs> she didn't believe she was going to Disney World until she was on the plane and it hit her and she said, we're going to Disney World. Like, all those emotions, because she realized it was true. Restoration Road, you're on the plane. It is true. The gospel is true. He has died for your sins. Christ has died. He was born. He has risen. He's come to get his king. Believe that truth. Amen? Now, one response that we see in this text is singing. And I know singing doesn't come natural to all of us. Right? But you see people just breaking on this song. I will encourage you, as we continue to grow at a church, <coughs> as a church, don't be afraid to sing when we do these songs. There is 90% of us are singing out of key. And God loves every moment of it. All right? If you're that person, oh, come let us adore him, you give the him, him. Like you always catch that last word. Be free. Enjoy your God. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your church. Rejoice and revel in God and sing with everything you have. Because God's hearing your voice and it's beautiful to him. And be honest, I love when everyone sings. I don't care how it sounds, man. I'm just like, people are worshiping Jesus. And I love being a part of it. So one of my most favorite things on earth. And you get to carry it over to heaven. Singing with God's people, rejoicing in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to say this. It is absolutely good news that God chooses inadequate people. Amen? Man, I mean, look at this team. We are so messed up. We're messed up so much that we need the gospel that bad. Starting with me. What is wrong with me? Right? Who chooses us? Who chooses this squad for the W? <laughs> right? God does. He says, let me take the weak things to confound the strong. Let me take the foolish thing to challenge those who think they're more intellectual than God. Let me take the broken things to proclaim this message that brings restoration. You are not inadequate. You are worth something to God. You are valuable to God. We see that on the cross. He came to die for each and every one of us, all his children, so that all who believe him would be saved and receive the benefits and rewards of the gospel, primarily a relationship with God Almighty. Wow. Some of you saying, I'm not adequate enough for this. You're not. Some of you saying, you're too much of a sinner. You are. That's why the gospel is such good news. That's why the gospel is such good news. There's no better news. Let that explode in your system. Remind yourself every day you are loved by God. Look at this baby that was born in this 
God, man, who laid down his life and see the love of God towards you. Also see his victory in rising from the dead and being enthroned on high and watching every detail and loving you personally. And remember, he's coming back one day. And the lamb ain't going to be on a cross. The lamb's going to bring, bring in liberation to all those who believe in him and establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven forever. Restoration Road, proclaim the gospel, rejoice in the gospel, hear this gospel and believe the gospel. Amen.